This is Still Standing with Michael Caputo, episode 36. Coming up on today's show, the Mueller press conference and impeachment. That's what's next. All that and more on the way on Still Standing. No talking points, no spin. It's politics you can't put down. This is Still Standing with Michael Caputo. Hi, welcome to Still Standing with Michael Caputo. I'm Michael. Thanks a lot for uh, listening in. This podcast I put up weekly, usually toward the end of the week, waiting for a big news day like yesterday when Mueller came out with his uh, surprise press conference. And I also do uh, some videos weekly with the audio, a little less uh, than weekly uh, with my videos and occasional blogging as well at stillstandingpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the audio and video and such. We'll ping you via email when new episodes are up. We've been at it now for several months, starting to get more and more listeners. I really appreciate you listening in, participating on whatever platform where you listen, maybe on iTunes, throw us a review. If you're on uh, patreon.com, you can can, uh, support us financially. But I really appreciate you engaging here with uh, Still Standing. The big news yesterday, of course, was the uh, special counsel, former FBI Director Robert Mueller, had a surprise press conference. I didn't really know what it was going to be when I heard it. I, I, I mean, I guess I'll, I thought I'd take you today inside what the day was like yesterday, how this kind of news hits somebody who was in the jackpot of the Mueller investigation. I'm talking to the media all day what they're thoughts are on this. And and it, it came to me, you know, I guess it was going to be an 11 o'clock event. Naturally, I heard about it pretty early, just like you probably did. It seemed odd to me that William Barr, the, the attorney general, was out of the Washington in Alaska. It seemed strange that he would not be there. But at the same time, if he were there, he, you know, there are some schools of thought that would th- would say that he should be at the press event as well. I think he'd have been uncomfortable being at the Mueller press event. He'd have been uncomfortable telling him no, as you can imagine, because any story in the Washington Post, which would appear, which would be immediate, New York Times, Washington Post, leaked from the special counsel, would basically throw Trump and the attorney general completely under the bus and say that uh, you know Mueller disagreed fundamentally with what Attorney General Barr had done and wanted to have a press event to highlight that. And he was disallowed, not allowed, told no, because he does, of course, work for William Barr. I, th- I think it would be, I think it'd be hard pressed to believe that William Barr would tell him no. Uh, so he might as well be out of the country, right? So when this came down, I was quick to make sure I cleared my calendar for 11 o'clock. I wanted to watch it live as it went down. It was very clear he was not going to take questions, which made it not a press conference. If you're not interacting with the media, you're just giving a statement. It's not a press conference. And, of course, it was short and sweet, like most people expected it to be. Uh, Mueller has a reputation of someone being a no-nonsense kind of Joe Friday, right? Just the facts, ma'am. 
Uh, but indeed, I also expected him to dabble in a bit of the chicanery that came out of the report. I, I didn't expect, even though I didn't think he would speak outside the four corners of the report, I, w I thought it, would be, it was going to be interesting to see what kind of message he left, what kind of flavor he left, what kind of scent he left in the air after his statement. And oh boy, I wasn't disappointed. I'm quite certain that you weren't disappointed either. What I, what I intended to, you know, what I really wanted to see uh, was a commitment to be questioned, if not in public, certainly in private. I don't need a circus by the United States Congress, in particular, any of these uh, House Democrats who were trying to move toward impeachment. Um, I'm not for impeachment. I don't think there is any crime that the president could be truthfully uh, impeached on. I think the Democrats don't need truth to impeach him. And, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're going to do it. It's uh, what John McLaughlin used to call a metaphysical certitude. It's coming. But I, I knew, I thought I, when I was waiting for him to come out and, and speak, I thought he would probably reanimate, you know, uh, these, I don't know, these breadcrumbs he dropped, giving the Democrats a path to impeachment for instruction. I wanted to see how he would do it. So when they came out and gave this brief statement, uh, and then, of course, refused to answer questions, it was, it was very clear to me that it was Mueller's intent uh, by calling this event and 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 then conducting a uh, you know a press event and you know reading a statement and then leaving without answering questions, he was trying to, I guess, in some ways, control the narrative once again. You know, a guy like Mueller who eschews leaks doesn't want any you know buddy from his team leaking. You, you know, they still did, but you know uh, he doesn't like uh, illegal. Uh, communication with the press unless it's to his advantage. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, standing in front of the media isn't a natural natural position for him, a natural uh, thing for him to do. I think he probably was nervous when he went up there. It was clear in the beginning he was a bit nervous. And, of course, we found out that uh, uh, Robert De Niro's voice that he's using in the uh, – and Saturday Night Live, uh, in his, uh, like when he imitates Robert Mueller, it's not the voice that you're getting from Robert Mueller himself. So, But there he, lied, he laid it all out. He basically slammed the door one more time, the window, you know, on the fingers of the conspiracy theorists who still believe there was, in this Russia hoax, that there was some kind of Trump campaign collusion with the Kremlin. He slammed that window right on their fingers again. I, I I enjoy watching their reactions then, and and he again I believe, you know, gave the Democrats a little shove in the in the direction of instruction. I think it even prevent you know provided them with the pivot point they needed, the public pivot that would give them cover to go ahead and start uh, talking more about impeachment. You saw as soon as the Mueller uh, press statement was concluded that members of the, uh, the, the Democrat field for president, you know, the presidential primary in 2020, uh, you know, uh, a Cory Booker, others came out and said that impeachment is a priority. So we've already seen the, the tide shift among the presidential candidates where, you know, on, you know, the, the TV talking heads were saying that, oh, until you really see a shift there, there's not going to be a shift uh, of fundamental nature toward an impeachment of the president. Well, it's happened. I knew it was coming. I've been saying it for 10 months. 
This is all about impeachment. That's all it's ever been about. That's all it is about before, all, all it was about before, all it was it is about now, all it's going to be about this year. All of this is going to be about impeachment. And then, of course, 2020 is going to be about impeachment as the Democrats are pummeled and punished by the voters for their monomaniacal, uh, complete and absolute crazy focus on an extra legal impeachment. That's just what where, where it looks for me from where I sit, but I absolutely saw it and you saw it too. Robert Mueller gave the Democrats the physical pivot point they need for a public uh, change of direction, moving more, getting more comfortable and, and more quickly uh, with impeachment. This is the day, uh, yesterday was the day when that pivot happened. In my opinion, as a political communicator, this is all they were looking. This is what they were looking for from Mueller. They probably would have liked more, but he didn't say anything except that he wasn't willing to publicly testify, um, and clearly doesn't want to testify at all. But he wasn't saying anything new besides that, uh, and he very carefully stayed within the four corners of the document that he produced and presented uh, to the Department of Justice uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. That's where we're at. He has absolutely, completely paved the way, and Mueller has, uh, for impeachment, and that's the way we're going from now, from here forward. There's no question in my mind. And as someone whose family uh, was subjected to the uh, the downsides of the uh, the Mueller investigation, myself and a lot of people that I know, some very dear friends, um. I know that a lot of us were thinking the same thing. I talked to a lot of my friends who were caught up in this jackpot. Uh, that you know, some I mean, I know friends of mine who were supportive of the president but weren't uh, really involved in this whole mess were emailing me and texting me and saying, "Oh well, you must be relieved. It's all over now." I mean, I really didn't feel like we passed some kind of historic post in the Mueller investigation when Robert Mueller announced that he's closing his office and he's leaving. And, I, and I'll tell you why. It's not over. I, I don't care what people say. Aaron Zelensky, one of the pro-Hillary uh, liberal Democrat uh, uh, U.S. attorneys out of Baltimore uh, that was, uh, was aboard uh, the Mueller investigation, is still tasked out uh, prosecuting Roger Stone. Uh, that trial isn't even until November. And as far as I'm concerned, the Mueller investigation is in still, still, you know, certainly the Mueller team is in full employment, full swing uh, uh, until, you know, they're done with uh, prosecuting and they're not done. And in fact, you know, they're, they're uh, a house painter from St. Louis named Andrew Miller is a young man I know. Uh, his father's a friend of mine. Uh, uh, he is actually being called in front of the Mueller grand jury tomorrow, Friday the 31st that's andrew miller coming in from st louis quite literally a house painter who never supported donald trump for president uh, a friend of roger stone's is being called into the Mueller grand jury which is still impaneled in washington tomorrow to testify so if andrew miller is still going to the grand jury to testify and roger stone is still uh being prosecuted by uh, the uh, Mueller team. Uh, this thing is not over. And also, by the way, about Robert Mueller wanting to just, you know, ride off into the sunset. I don't think so. I don't think so. 
He may want to, you know, jump aboard his, his stallion and ride off into the sunset, you know, have his moment and salute and on his way back to private practice where he's making millions. He may want that. <laughs> if I were him, I'd want that. I mean, let's face it. No matter what you think of Robert Mueller, he inherited a pig in a poke when he was appointed as special counsel. I bet, I don't know this, but I would bet that you're, we're going to find out that Robert Mueller really didn't want this job. And when he got there and he realized that Lisa Page and Peter Strzok were making out in the broom closet and uh, writing each other love texts about how much they hated the incoming president of the United States, the candidate, the Republican candidate for president, and how they were going to stop him in between whatever sessions they were having in the broom closet. You can imagine how this purportedly professional investigator, Robert Mueller, must have looked when he found out about those two and the other things that were going down. He inherited a pig in a poke. He had to hate this, even though I believe uh, in the end he did the job that, uh, that they wanted him to do, leave enough stink in the room so that people can call that smell anything they want. That was his job from the beginning. If he could not bring charges against the president, this whole idea that, you know, he wasn't able to bring an obstruction charge against Donald Trump, so he wasn't trying to do so. If, it, if that applied to the obstruction chapter of the report, then why didn't it apply to, the, to chapter one on Russian collusion, right? It's a fallacy. It's a joke. The more of this report I read, you know, I read as I read the whole thing, the more I read of the report, the more I sat through of of Mueller's statement, the more I understood that he, this whole thing is shot through with omission, omission and and innuendo, omission and innuendo. The whole thing, the, uh, his whole in his whole performance as office of uh, as the special counsel, the performance of everyone on his team, it is the report that they put out there. His statement shot through with uh, omission and innuendo. They did it to me in the report. I've talked about it before on my podcast. I'm not going to talk about it again. But they omitted facts and 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 dropped little bits of innuendo in the in the one page they wrote about me. If they did that about me a marginal witness in this investigation. Can you imagine what they did to those who they considered subjects of the investigation, people who spent 40 hours and more in front of investigators, House, Senate, Mueller? You know, imagine what they were doing, you know, what kind of omissions and innuendo that the Mueller writers laid out there for people like J.D. Gordon, who they screwed constantly. People like Carter Page, who they, they you know, his country failed him. Imagine the omissions and the innuendo throughout the pages about those gentlemen and more. This, you know, the one thing I see coming out of the Mueller statement is he must not be allowed to ride into the sunset. We found out now that... Uh, this whole Russia collusion stuff was all hat and no cattle. All hat, no cattle. He tries to, you know, Robert Mueller tries to drop a few, uh, uh, you know, uh, breadcrumbs, you know, leading the Democrats on a path to, to impeachment on obstruction. I mean, let's face it, the Democrats are going to 
uh, take all 11 of the examples of possible obstruction that the Mueller team laid out in the report and then add to it those of their own, you know, for refusing to respond to subpoenas that they lay out of the house structures, whatever. So they'll get that up to 15 counts of obstruction and they'll turn that into, I mean, voila, right there. It's all you need. Those are house impeachment proceedings. Yeah, 15, 17 counts of obstruction and, you know, some other bogus uh, allegation on, on campaign finance that's related to the, uh, the uh, Stormy Daniels payments. That's it. There's your, there's your entire obstruction. I'm sorry, your, your entire impeachment proceedings. Right there, those are all articles of impeachment, each one of them. So there you go. That's going to happen. Metaphysical certitude, McLaughlin said. Metaphysical certitude. Get used to it. Now, the, the Senate's never going to remove the president. It's not going to be taken seriously outside the House. And the question is, what is the damage to the president, to the SS Trump, as we approach Election Day? Uh, what is the downside? What is the upside? And what is the downside and what is the upside? Uh, for the Democrats if they go through with impeachment. And um, I've got a bit to say about that. I've been thinking through it uh, for quite some time. I've been saying that the president is going to be impeached since August of last year when I started screaming at the top of my lungs to anyone who would listen uh, that uh, the president's going to be impeached if the Democrats gain control of the House. And here we are. Still standing. Please remain standing. We'll be right back. Mueller presser yesterday. I was right up on the TV screen with that. You know, as somebody who was in the jackpot of this whole investigation, it really, I look at it maybe a little differently than you do, but I really appreciate you being curious about how I, what I thought of it. We'll get on with that in a minute, but I wanted to thank a few people, you know, here at uh, Still Standing with Michael Caputo. Um, we're supported in part by Patreons. People uh, who would uh, become what we consider to be our executive producers uh, by donating a regular amount uh, uh, at Patreon.com, where we have an account. You know, we have our uh, platform with our with our uh, actual audio feed there for the podcast. And our executive producers are real important to us. We have a new one in Gary Stokes, but also John Seifert, Henry Wotazic, Thomas Fulton, Sonia Carlin. Darcy Swenson, George Noonan, Daniel Markey, Stephen Flaminio, all of our executive producers like Susan Havey, Samantha Lynn, thanks, Samantha, uh, Brian Pizdurski, John Bromwich, Jordan Gostomsky, Susan Stevens, Patty Freeling, Mark Berry, Bill Grant, Greg Mumbach, Roberto, Rachel, and Julie. Thank you all so much for supporting us at patreon.com. These are all still standing executive producers, and uh, it's you know we you know we really appreciate hearing from you and your reaction. When I say we, I mean me and my producer, uh, uh, you know Sean Dwyer. I'm not speaking about we like a, a politician and you know in the collective we or third person. Uh, not yet, anyway. I may become a politician yet, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing it yet. <laughs> I've avoided it for 30 plus years. I think I can keep, oh uh, my God, who knows? 
So on Facebook, um, uh, this was kind of in response to uh, who really has Hillary's emails, my episode last week um, uh, on the 24th of May. Uh, Sean Lamb writes uh, on Facebook, interesting podcast. I think if you had accepted the emails from Rick Claggett, uh, uh, the guy, the 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 form, you know, the former U.S. national security contractor offered me access to Hillary Clinton's emails. Uh, they would have turned out to be mostly genuine, but sprinkled with fakes. And when the proverbial hit, and when the proverbial hit the fan, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, Rick Claggett would deny all knowledge, and everyone would assume you got them from Russia. Your years spent in Russia made you a target in 2016. I, I agree with that, Sean. Um, also, by the way. Uh, the idea that um, I, I, you know, my business partner is an old dear friend of mine who I met in the '90s when I lived in Russia. We opened a PR firm together. He worked at my PR firm in Russia, and we've opened a PR firm together in the United States. He's been living here for years. You know, probably they would have somehow or another tried to say that he had done it. But a lot of vulnerabilities in my kind of, let's say, uh, model. You know, my uh, uh, my. Uh, suspect model if I was a suspect in this bogus Russia hoax uh, because I lived there uh, for seven years I know all the players I know uh, I've met Vladimir Putin I know you know Paul Manafort for 30 years you know in that kind of suspect model I was kind of I guess pretty hot property and if they in my mind you know they were trying to pre create a case and encourage a case where they could do whatever they needed whatever was necessary to spy upon the Republican candidate for president. And if that made, meant making up stuff, like they were tr clearly trying to establish uh, fact patterns with, let's say, you know, uh, George Papadopoulos or Carter Page, you know, uh, giving them information that they would later pull out and try to say came from the Russians. Sean, I think that's probably what they were trying to do with Claggett, probably what they were trying to do uh, with the FBI informant who came to me in Miami uh, in late May, May 27th, I think, 2016. Uh, also a letter from uh, Thomas Bennett, also on Facebook. Uh, just the little I know about the data that the NSA compiles on domestic voice traffic, it's really hard for me to believe that with a little digging, they couldn't put together a picture of email traffic to and from Hillary Clinton's server and piece together what Hillary was doing. Even though the emails on her server have disappeared, Thomas is saying that the NSA could still reconstruct it. I, I've, I've heard that as well. I don't doubt that for a second. I think that, you know, the domestic voice traffic and, and, and the domestic data traffic that is, you know, tracked and often captured by uh, the national security apparatus and held longer than, it's, than it should be according to law, I think a lot of that you know, if, if you're Hillary Clinton or let's say, you know, General Flynn, they're going to, you know, pay special attention to you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very possible that they have Hillary Clinton's missing emails. Absolutely. I think it's more likely than possible. So in my, you know, I want to go back to the, uh, 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 the Bob Mueller presser because from my perspective, uh, this sets in, in motion an uh, inevitable impeachment. I have said from the very beginning that I thought in the, we would be well into 
articles of impeachment in the Democratic House when our children got out of school for the summer. That's what I said. I believe I'm a little, the timeline is lagging. Uh, I may not end up being correct there, but I think we're going to be well on our way to those articles of impeachment being uh, pursued actively, hearings being scheduled in the House of Representatives. Oh, I think we're going to be well on our way by the time our kids sign up for summer camps and Little League and uh, they're out for the summer uh, from school. Uh, I'm quite certain. I don't see anything that disabuses me of that. I have to tell you, I'm I'm unconvinced by uh, by Speaker Pelosi. I'm unconvinced by her allies, uh, the adults in the room, so to speak, in the Democratic House, saying that they're not there yet when it comes to impeachment. Not the least bit convinced by that. I believe that uh, that Nancy Pelosi and and all of her lieutenants are on a schedule uh, that's predetermined, frankly, uh, to come out and say they support impeachment at the right time. I believe that they're all in if the case can be made publicly. And, you know, obviously you can make whatever case you want publicly when you believe in your heart in the religion of uh, the resistance, when you believe in the religion of impeachment. You know, uh, the resistance religion, let's say, an impeachment as the Easter <laughs> of, of the religion of, uh, of resistance. Now that now is, this is how they're going to take him down. This was always going to be an eventuality. If they could not stop Donald Trump from being the Republican nominee, they were going to stop him through leaks and otherwise. Uh, with information they gleaned on Russia during the you know the Republican primary, uh, trying to accuse him of uh, direct contact with the Kremlin, and try to stop him from being president by any means necessary. They came at him with all the uh, opposition research they could, of course, and he handed them other weapons to use against him. Of course, the NBC tape was was released, unrelated to the Russia stuff, but still. Um, on the NBC tape uh, where he spoke about grabbing a woman by her nether regions. Um, you know, this is, was all the same activity from the Hillary DNC camp. The Russian dossier was only one uh, you know, level of opposition research. The NBC tape was a kill shot. The Russian uh, collusion hoax is something that they could use to, to mark up Donald Trump but not defeat him. So when they failed to defeat him with the Russia hoax, they turned the heat up and and uh, and you know weaponized what was now hot crossfire hurricane into an attack on Trump, the president, President Trump, President Elect Trump, his national security advisor, General Flynn, uh, KT McFarland, everyone around them, right, and take them out if, and by any by any means necessary, uh, in order to perhaps take out Donald Trump at the very least to tie his hands so he's not surrounded by people that he desired you know, by aides that he himself appointed that he could not keep for example General Flynn one of his closest aides by him they figured that the, the Trump uh, White House would mess up 
And of course, as soon as Comey was fired, that was a surprise to the, the entire cabal, everyone who had been trying to stop Donald Trump from the beginning. And they saw that as an opportunity to call a special counsel and tie Donald Trump up for whatever time it took in order to prepare a case for impeachment. I don't think they ever thought they were going to get Russia collusion out of the, the Mueller investigation. The people who created this hoax knew it was a hoax. Of course they did. When I say hoaxers, I mean Brennan. I mean Clapper. I mean Susan Rice. I mean, you know, the list goes on. I mean Comey himself. The hoaxers who put together this politically commissioned investigation into the Republican candidate for president of the United States. Let me repeat that for you. The politically commissioned investigation into the Republican candidate for president of the United States. That is a scandal of epic proportions. The people behind that knew there was nothing to this Russia hoax. They knew nothing Russia-oriented would come out of the special counsel, but they thought it was very possible, I think, probably not a, a crazy opinion, that Donald Trump and his inner circle would would just would squirm and, and, and fight and like, like, you know, just like cornered dogs against this bogus investigation and maybe even obstruct. And the obstruction that, that might come out of the Trump reaction, he's so angry. I mean, even the people who uh, are support the president understand that at the very least, the president was just venomously angry over this bogus investigation that was never designed to bring Russia investigation, Russia collusion, uh, uh, a proof. It was always designed to create opportunities for the president to obstruct and to, uh, examine those instances of, uh, of what we see 11 now out of the, uh, the final report of possible obstruction. That's what it was always about. Never was it about Rus Russian collusion, even though there were some pretty, let's say, motivated uh, investigators into the likes of Roger Stone uh, and others uh, trying to prove Russian collusion, even up until the very end. It was about creating opportunities for the Trump for Trump and his family and his team to possibly obstruct, to give the House uh, once they were elected in the, in the Democrat majority, what they needed to impeach. Convoluted? Yeah. But in the end, it's just a series of failed strategies. They couldn't stop Donald Trump from being the Republican nominee, so they tried to stop him from being elected. They couldn't stop him from being elected, so they tried to use the investigation they had installed before election to stop him from either taking office or perhaps even succeeding in office, and then they moved to uh, to impeach him. That I mean, these are just a series of strategies: Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, and Plan D, like Dan Bongino calls it. We're at the, we're at Plan D, ladies and gentlemen: impeachment through charges of obstruction. They were all built around an investigation into crimes that were never committed of conspiring with the Russians. This is what it's all about. It is a politically commissioned investigation that pushes the Democrats into impeachment, which will happen imminently. Imminently. That's where we are today. 
That's what this is about. And and uh, uh, Robert Mueller wanted to just leave. I'll just leave this 485-page report here. Let me write off into the sunset. I'm not going to say anything more that isn't in the report. Everything's in the report. You can say I said it. Take it easy. Take it easy. Have a nice day. Be a, you know, Have a good life. Off to the sunset. Not bloody likely. Bring him in. Question him. Republicans and Democrats alike. He's got some explaining to do. He wrote a report. He and his people shot through with omission and innuendo. He dropped breadcrumbs for the Democrats to uh, to impeach on on hollow accusations of obstruction. And in the end, uh, uh, has a lot more explaining to do than he's willing to. I mean, he won't even take questions from the media. From the media. So that's where I'm at on this. I don't know where you're at. I got to tell you, uh, I don't think it's over with Mueller. I certainly know from this point forward that impeachment's going to gain momentum like a train. Like a train. Watch this. One shovel of coal into the engine of the uh, of impeachment after another. More and more. This, this train is going to gain momentum. The president of the United States will be impeached by the crazies in the Democratic House. And they will, they will suffer at the polls in 2020. They will impeach him even if it kills them. And I think it will destroy them. Anyway, that's my thoughts on this. It's Michael Caputo for Still Standing. Thanks a lot for listening again. Again, it's at stillstandingpodcast.com. You'll hear my weekly podcast, my, oh, a regular but regular video uh, vlogs, as the kids call it, and a, 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 a blog post or two at stillstandingpodcast.com. Please subscribe at iTunes. Uh, drop us a review at iTunes. Support us at patreon.com. Michael Caputo for Still Standing. Thanks a lot and have a great week.